shut your Bibles, please turn them again to Luke chapter 6. And as we begin, let me pray. God, by your word, you spoke creation into being. Um, You said, let there be light. And so, Lord, in the deepest places of our hearts, where either we do not believe the gospel or we have grown cold and dim, Lord, in your mercy, through Jesus, your Son, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, let there be light. Amen. Right, so, um, we come to this parable about the two houses and the two builders of those houses. And like I was saying in the kids' talk, you've got to remember the parable of the soils that Keith spoke to us uh, a while back, remembering that parables both hide truth and help truth. They hide truth and they help truth. They have a double effect. And so we've got to pray that... um. The, the, the Spirit will enlighten us. We may see the truth of this parable um, and not to have this parable spoken to us to our detriment and judgment. And so, may the Lord have mercy on us all as we embark on this sermon series in the parables together. Now, straight away, let's see if we can clear up what's what in the parables. Uh, and so that's that. My first point is building and founding. Building and founding. The second point will be floods and torrents, and the third, everyone who comes to me. But point one, building and founding. Jesus compares two real-life types of people with two builders. So as for the two real-life types of people, the first is one who, quote, comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. The second is one who hears my words and does not put them into practice. So what do they both do? They both hear Jesus' words. That's important, because straight away we can see that we're not talking about people outside the church. We're talking about people who are hearing Jesus' words. Talking about us today. But what are the differences? The first one is that the, the first person specifically comes to Jesus. That's not mentioned about the second character. And the second difference uh, is I think the difference on which the whole parable hangs is whether they put Jesus' words into practice or not. Whether they put Jesus' words into practice or not. So if these two like, real-life individuals in mind, let's step now into the imaginary world of the parable. At the beginning, we have both people building a house. The house building isn't an optional extra. It is inevitable. Both builders inevitably build a house. Now that corresponds to the hearing that both people did. Both people heard Jesus' words. So notice here, early on, that whenever you hear Jesus' words, you are building a house. There is no neutral hearing, if you like. You can't hear and leave the house untouched. To, To hear is to build. And so the question for us is, how? How are you going to build? How are you going to hear? Is this house going to be well built? And what was the difference 
in real life. In the real life difference was not putting Jesus' words into practice. What's the difference in the parable? Not laying a foundation. Not laying a foundation. Now, isn't that interesting? Doing what Jesus says, or obeying him, if you like, corresponds to laying a foundation. Now, I find that very interesting because if I had been telling this parable, I think I'd have said something like the foundation is trusting in Jesus. And that sounds more like the gospel, doesn't it? The foundation is trusting in Jesus, putting your faith in him. But I think in the kind of corresponding, what, what corresponds to what, uh, laying, the fa- laying the foundation is obeying Jesus, putting his words into practice. So obedience is the foundation. Now this will jar against some of us. This will jar against some of those of us here who think, oh, but God's a loving God, he'll just forgive me. Well, Jude describes these sort of people as those who would, uh, in Jude 4, pervert the grace of God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ our only sovereign and Lord. See, what does grace mean? Grace does not mean that we can do what we want. Grace means that we are enabled to obey, having already been freely declared righteous in Christ. Let me say that again. Grace does not mean that we can do what we want. Grace means that we are enabled to obey, having already, already been freely declared righteous in Christ. And so speaking of this passage, one commentator talks of, quote, the folly of Christian profession unaccompanied by Christian practice. Profession is when you profess that you're a Christian, you say, yeah, I'm a Christian, or I, I call Jesus Lord. So the folly of Christian profession unaccompanied by Christian practice. You cannot have one without the other. To obey Jesus' words is to lay the foundation. Your life will be poorly built if you don't obey. We come to the second point, floods and torrents. Now that's not torrents, the name of our pastor, that is torrents, which is like a really strong, powerful stream that's rushing and will, you know, um, knock down all sorts what's in its way. Powerful river or something. Torrent. Now imagine you are watching these two builders. One on the left and the one on the right. From the outside, their houses look the same. The houses look the same. Because if you think about it, the foundation is dug down deep. It's not seen. It's hidden. So how are you to know whether the, whether the house has a foundation or not? Or how are you to know whether the person who professes to believe in Christ is true? The answer is revealed when the floods come and when the torrents strike the house. You only know if the house is well built when the waters come and try and knock it down. And what do the floods and the torrents co- correspond to? They correspond to the trials and sufferings of this life, when life and all its messiness happens. John Calvin, a pastor from a couple hundred years ago, said that true piety is not fully distinguished from its counterfeit till it comes to trial. 
true piety, true, true kind of living like a Christian, true piety is not fully distinguished from its counterfeit, the counterfeit piety, until it comes to the trial. A true Christian is only known when they start suffering. It's only then when you see if the foundation of obeying Jesus will hold. Now, in one way, this makes a lot of sense behaviorally, in terms of behavior. If you've built the habit of following Jesus and of obeying him in your life, it becomes harder to break your life when the trials and the tribulations come. Eugene Peterson uh, described the Psalms of Ascent as a long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience in the same direction. That's what obedience is. It's not only obeying in the big dramatic decisions of life. Obeying also includes the small, everyday moments when you build up your life living for Jesus. Earlier we sang Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who turns away from where the wicked walk, who does not stand in sinner's path or sit with those who mock. This psalm is not talking about making a one-off decision at one point in your life to follow Jesus. It's talking about a way of life. It talks about the walk, the path of life. And if the habit of obedience is formed when life is easy, it stands greater chance of holding when the suffering comes. And so the question comes in the verses of um, in, in the words, sorry, of verse 46, is your life going to be well built? Is your house going to be well built? Will it, will it have the foundation of following Jesus? It's well built if you do what Jesus says. Well built if you do what Jesus says. And so my friends here today, let me appeal to you, for your own sakes, follow Jesus. You see that only if you follow Jesus fully will you not fall. Half-heartedness falls. Half-heartedness falls. To, to be half-hearted is to, to hear God's word Sunday by Sunday, to hear God call you to repentance, to hear the glory and the free offer of Christ, and to reject it, not to follow. Half-heartedness follows. You see, it. If you don't want your life to fall, to collapse, to be utterly destroyed, then it's in your best interests to follow Jesus and to put his words into practice. It's, if, you only, if you follow Jesus fully, will you not fall? And so I say this for your own sake. Christ says this, for your own sake, follow Jesus. It is for your own good and God's glory that you live for him. And so we come to our, th our third section titled, Everyone Who Comes to Me. But David, he'll say. David, this sounds a lot like legalism. It sounds like you're saying to us, we must obey Jesus to be saved. It sounds like you're saying we, we've got we've to do stuff to get into heaven. So let me try and make myself very clear. I'll try to make myself very clear. You do not obey Jesus in order to be saved. You obey Jesus because you are saved by him 
and to show that you are saved by him. Being saved comes before obedience, not obedience before being saved. Being saved comes before obedience, but the two are still linked, just in that order, not the other way around. Which means, in one way, you could say the following. Obedience is necessary to salvation, but not as its cause, as its result and proof. Let me say that again. Obedience, in one way, is necessary to salvation, not as the cause of salvation, but as the result of salvation, as the proof of salvation. Now, I think the easiest way to show this from the text is to look right at the beginning of verse 47. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. Everyone who comes to me then hears, then practices. What comes before the hearing and the obeying? It's the coming to Jesus. And is that coming? Is that like a form of obedience to come to Jesus? Well, no. Consider the well-known hymn which I feel like I've probably quoted a few times in the pulpit. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress. Notice how we come to Christ. Naked. Not clothed in our righteousness. Not clothed in any form of obedience. Naked come to Christ for dress. Helpless. Helpless. Look to thee for grace. Christ offers himself freely, freely to everyone who comes to him. And so that's why it's very important that it's everyone who comes to me, then his, and then puts into practice. And so as we close, please do not merely call Jesus Lord, Lord, and not do what he says. Come to him. Come to him. He offers himself freely to you. He offers himself freely to you. And then, for your own sakes, obey Jesus, having already come to him. Because only if you follow Jesus fully will you not fall. Remember, half-heartedness falls. For your own sakes, follow Jesus. The question is, will you be founded or will you be falling? Founded is, is by putting Jesus' words into practice because he has already saved you. That's what it is to be founded. Will you be founded or will you be falling? Let me pray. Lord Jesus, you have spoken to us all today. And in our worship today, we have invoked you as Lord. You are our Lord. So please let us not be those who call you Lord and do not do what you say. Have mercy on us and grant us the obedience that is necessary for salvation, not as the cause of salvation, but as its result and proof. Have mercy on us, not because of anything we do, but only because of the obedience of Christ. And so grant us that obedience that comes from being saved by you, so that Our lives might bring glory to you, along with the Father and the Holy Spirit, 
forever. Amen. Let me sing that. Thank you.